Hey there, Liberty audience members, listeners extraordinaire. We are always evolving over here at Liberty Sessions, and we've been listening to some feedback, and it's really interesting. We're getting sort of a split um, in this group of, of listeners. There's about 50% of you that really like the idea of us going to a half-hour format, and another 50% that are big-time podcast listeners who have time in their day to listen to podcasts that go um, to an hour or even plus, uh, not in our case, but in the case of other podcasts. And so we're going to try something. We're going to split our episodes up into two 30-minute, 30 30-minute-ish 30 um, sessions. So each of our interviews will be divided into an A-B listening opportunity. Uh, the first half will be their story, like it always has been. And then the second half will be their tips and tricks and resources and advice for you to kind of launch and grow your own venture. So we're excited to give it a try. We'd love to continue to get your feedback. And for those who like to listen to the whole hour, just press play one more time. Nothing will change for you. And for those of you who appreciate the shorter versions, then hopefully we can get you in and out of um, your car or your, you know, your solid half hour of quiet time without interruption. So here we go. Let's give it a try. Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Hello there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Morgan Hamill, who is the CEO and founder of The Garment. Morgan, nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. And I just have to throw this out. You hopped on a plane and came all the way to LA. Where are you hailing from today? I did, from Calgary, Canada. Is this our, this is our furthest, Elizabeth, right? Yeah. Okay. We're official people. We are official. We've landed. That's right. Oh, we're so American. Oh, shame. No, no, please leave it in. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the garment? Sure. So The Garment is a company all about connecting women and responsible brands. Um, and it really is all around trying to reduce some of the barriers that women have to accessing responsible fashion. Um, so it's three things. The first thing is really around finding the beautiful, responsibly made garments. Yeah. And we do that. Yeah. Uh, the next piece is around fit. So a lot of women are curious about these garments or maybe interested in purchasing them. Um, but because many of them are ordered online mm -hmm. people are really hesitant around fit so the thing that we do to help with that is we shoot um, the garments that we've picked on real models um, so women of all sizes and provide their measurements so that people can um, order the garment in the right size wow. and then the last piece is around um, price and cost because uh, many of these garments cost a lot more and so many of us are used to purchasing um, 
clothes, I wouldn't really call them garments, you know, at a low cost. Mm -hmm. um, we partner with brands to um, deliver a small discount to members of the garment community so that to make that just a little bit easier for the garments that cost a bit more. And how do you, first of all, that's amazing. Um, and where were you uh, last year when I was trying to find a good <laughs> pair of jeans? But, um, or where was I, I guess? You were there. Um, so how does that work? Do we just hop on to your site and which is the garment? Dot CA. Dot CA. Yeah. Is that a Canada thing? It is. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, we'll make sure to have all, all of this in the show notes so you guys don't have to um, stop if you're driving and write this down. But mm -hmm. wh what what do we have to do to get that from you, yes. get that service from you? Yeah, so right now our main platform is actually Instagram. So I do all my promotion on Instagram and the way to actually purchase these garments uh, is through our virtual pop-ups. Okay. So this is one of the concepts that... Um, I started and have learned only through doing it that it's relatively unique. Yeah. Um, and so we actually only run our pop-ups about every quarter. Okay. Um, and they're a short pop-up. Think of like your brick and mortar shop. Yeah. Um, you know, a cool little shop on a street that invites in a certain maker for a certain period of time, your traditional sure. pop-up. Effectively, what we're doing is curating a selection of brands that are popping up on my Instagram feed for a short period of time, usually okay. four to five days. Um, and so if listeners follow along at The Garment Life, they'll basically see the momentum building around the pop-up that's coming. Our next one, for example, is travel. Um, and during the pop-up period, which is going to be for this travel one at the end of April or early May, mm -hmm. um, that's the time to actually make the purchase. Okay. And purchases are actually made um, not through my site. So if you go to our website, you won't find a lot unless it's during a virtual pop-up period, in which case we have the preview with links. Um, but actually on the individual makers' websites using a discount code. Okay. So what you're providing for the user is um, it's content. It's editorial content. You're the one picking. There's not a pay-to-play opportunity here. You're trying to bridge the gap, if you will, between the user and these brands. Yes. So how do you make money? Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, if you think of the, you know, the traditional fashion model mm -hmm. around wholesale, um, basically, you know, I'm looking at these brands and I'm thinking these women are really interested in, in buying these responsibly made garments. Um, and effectively, I view influencers as a store. Mm -hmm. So uh, to me, every influencer is a potential store, um, myself included. And effectively, I have a contract structure in place with all of the makers mm -hmm. where I capture a percentage of every garment okay. sold. Yeah. So it's real. So that's nice for us as consumers. You're not getting it on our end. You're getting it right. on the back end, if yes. you will. Yes. And it's also not necessarily creating any conflict because you get to choose whoever you want to choose mm -hmm. and then have that relationship after the fact, they're not, it's not, they're not paying in advance. So you can sort of stay open and somewhat divide church yes, and state. Yes. And that's, it's a really great, um, point uh -huh. and one that I'm quite conscious of uh -huh. uh, in terms of making the selection. So for example, you know, I'm pretty clear about like 
garment testing. Mm -hmm. So I've started trying to get the garments quite a bit in advance, um, in advance of the pop-up so that I can really give them a good test. And actually we've started, um, in order to sort of further eliminate bias, gifting a piece of each of the capsule essentials that we're considering featuring to a garment community member so that they can test it. Oh, so cool. And actually it's been really, really neat. I mean, the response, obviously people are excited because they get to try one of these cool things. And, you know, I had some people say, isn't there still some bias in there because they kind of want me to then promote the thing? But I said, I actually think it's quite a heavy responsibility. Like they are now saying to the garment community, I tested this thing out. And, yeah. you know, it's like if it if it falls apart after you wear it yeah. a few times, then let me know. And we don't want to feature that. Yeah. Um, and so that's been a really great way, I think, to try to make it so that um, it's not just me testing it because I will eventually have a financial interest in it, but just to provide a little bit of extra, um, just another perspective. And I would think that your community is one that by nature um, values integrity over a free pair of anything. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And they've already got the thing. So they might as well give just whatever review it is. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like Mm. the way that works. I can imagine this um, applying to so many different businesses. So it'll be interesting to have people listen to you and sort of have a light bulb moment of, oh, that's interesting. How can I apply my service or mm-hmm. product to this model? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned something, you you snuck it in, you said the word capsule. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain to those of us who think we know and those of us who absolutely don't know, sure. what is a capsule collection and what is the point? Mm-hmm. We hear it a lot right now. Sure. So from my perspective, um, the point is about living a fuller, more vibrant life Mm -hmm. by owning fewer, better things. And I don't see, you know, in terms of the capsule concept, I first learned about it through um, Caroline Rector, Mm -hmm. who um, runs the blog Unfancy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't see it as something that is a certain number of garments, um, as something that's really bound by rules. Um, Is that that sort of... Is there a number rolling around like you're supposed to have 10 or seven? There are quite a lot of numbers rolling around. I would say like there's a, you know, one number is 33. So there's a project 333. Exactly. Very small um, from my perspective. And what I've learned is like a lot of women have um, so many different aspects of their lives. They might work in a corporate world and also, you know, stay home a couple days a week with their kids or what, or maybe they love camping and they have a whole wardrobe associated with like technical gear around camping. And so I find, you know, to set a certain number often feels um, too restrictive. Yeah. That's we're all about liberating over here. And that doesn't sound liberating. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So the idea is, you know, not for it to be, at least from my view, something that's constraining, but more liberating insofar as I know when I had a closet that was filled with, um, clothes from the sale racks of J. Crew and Anthropology. You know, that yeah. little back room in Anthropology where you're like, oh, this thing's too cheap not to buy. Yes. My closet was basically filled with those things, like with like bohemian tassels that like <laughs> oh my gosh. so not my Come style. to my house. <laughs> Thankfully, my daughter's transitioning her room into boho. So I'm like, I have so many things. Right. And it is from that room. Yes. It is from that anthropology room. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And there are these things, I, at least in my case, and I think for the case of in many women's case, um, 
they begin to weigh us down. Mm -hmm. Like the process of selecting then an outfit to wear in the morning is so daunting. And the, the spending. Oh my gosh. The spending, the the unconscious spending. Yeah. Um, and that was actually one of the biggest drivers for me was I realized that I was spending a lot of time and energy. Not so, I mean, the money was something, but time and energy, sure. particularly my kids were really young and um, are still young. But, you know, at the time when my first daughter was a baby, I would go to the mall like at least once a week um, just to like browse around. Sure. And most times I would end up leaving with something from one of those sale racks. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of started to realize that this was not the way I wanted to spend my time or modeling for my daughter. Um, what I also realized that I think is really important. Cool. Yeah. Was that there was a need that I had that I was meeting through that shopping, which for me was around both connection and recognition um, connection in that, you know, it was winter in Calgary and I was going out and at least I was like seeing and talking to people and kind of feeling like I was part of the world. Right. Um, and also recognition, you know, when I was on maternity leave, I felt like in some ways I didn't have a lot to sort of contribute to conversations other than people would, you know, ask how is it being a mom? And, you know, you would answer and whatever. Whereas having a new shirt yeah. sounds so, it sounds so superficial, but the reality was it's a quick way to connect and sure. someone, oh, that's so cute. You know, where did you get that? It's an easy thing. So I then had or, to figure or out. Or even I would say to stay relevant. Yes. Like I know what's happening. Yes. I know what's trending. I know mm -hmm. what what's out in the mm -hmm. world. I, it, it, it doesn't even have to be in fashion. It's yes. just, I'm aware. Yes. I'm current. I'm that type of person. Therefore, I have XYZ or I've been to XYZ. Absolutely. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. You're dissecting the shopping um, <laughs> mind in all of us. That's interesting. <laughs> so when you put together a capsule collection, mm -hmm. you're solving for these psychological, emotional mm -hmm. Um, financial sort of pro and in in the financial, I want to make a, a point that that, you, that you're making. It's not that you're spending less; it's that you're mm -hmm. being intentional. Yes, right. And you're making selections that perhaps don't last just a season yes. or don't end up in the you know coming apart in the wash right. with some of the more fast fashion yes. um, brands. We won't name any of them necessarily. Yes. Um, and so you're solving for something by helping us to be more intentional in the way that we are about our health and yes. wellness, about the way we eat. We've become so aware of what yes. that actually means. So it's the capsule collection helps us in terms of mindset. Yeah. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the the investment up front as women are building a wardrobe of fewer, better things um, is sometimes, you know, as you pointed out, they may end up spending a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, this is something that can be done over the long term. Sure. You know, many women actually, they ask me like, what's the first step to starting a capsule? And I typically say like, look at what you already have mm -hmm. and pare that down. And then because many of us have too much and it's more around living with those pieces, even if it's, you know, a, a gap striped shirt, whatever it might be, like live with those pieces. Those are still great pieces um, and live mm -hmm. with those. And then fill as you start to find holes, just fill those intentionally. Um, another point I wanted to make just around the idea of spending is, I have a lot of people in my life who I know who would say 
and do say, I can't afford the clothes that you are promoting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they drive two super fancy cars. They live in a really nice house. They have great jobs. And I think it's really around shifting that mindset. You know, they may also buy organic food, which is mm-hmm. something, you know. And so it's more around prioritizing and I think deciding where for each of us we want to spend our life energy. Um And that's what I view it as. It's something like, is it worth it to me to spend the money that I'm making on a garment that I'm going to live in and love for a long time? Or or do I want to continue this cycle of feeling like I have to go to the mall every few weeks so that I can keep up with these trends? It sounds like part of the mind shift is uh, thinking more long term and not being so short sighted. So in the immediate, we just had a conversation Mm -hmm. about you buying a beautiful camel coat Mm -hmm. and it's the it's an investment mm-hmm. but you will have that coat mm-hmm. for as long as as long as right. you're around yes um and the the if you amortize those wares it sounds so like yes. sp- a very mathematical equation to apply to this this capsule uh-huh. concept but in essence you will probably end up paying less yes over the long run Absolutely. or over the long haul. So it, it, some of it is a men, as a mentality yes. or again, a mind yeah. shift. Not to mention, I would add, like not to mention the, um, the time and energy spent. If I didn't choose to buy that coat, mm-hmm. I would likely buy, I would say, let's say five other coats in the time that I will have that camel coat. Sure. And the time and energy spent not only buying that coat, uh, those other coats, but also getting rid of the other ones Mm -hmm. that then I'm no longer using because they're out of style and the environmental impact of those five that are now wherever. So I was going to go there. So thank you. You've made it an easy transition. So part of the concept around not just what you're doing with the capsule collection, Mm -hmm. but the mentality and the shift around that is mm-hmm. also this sort of carbon footprint mm-hmm. and what's done in manufacturing and what's done in selling and buying and kind of all the, if you think of it as a funnel mm-hmm. um, from from material to getting into your hands, mm-hmm. you're reducing that. Mm-hmm. How important is that in selecting the particular garments that are included in the capsule or that you recommend or write about? Are you looking holistically mm-hmm. at that? Or are you just saying one really nice coat, no matter where the coat's made or right. what the coat's made of, is the focus? Or is it, no, I'm looking at all those things? It's really all of those things. Okay. Um, and I think that's something that is... Which is why your service is so important because then we'd be having to search the internet for those. Exactly. And I think that's what makes us a bit unique is that there are quite a few um, services or sort of curators out there who look at, for example, like solely the environmental impact Mm -hmm. um, and maybe aren't paying so much attention to the timelessness of the garment or the style or the quality um, necessarily, or, you know, maybe not so much a focus in that case on the lives of the people who are making the garment. 
garment and where the garment is made. Mm -hmm. So we're really holistic, I would say, in the types of things that we're looking at when we're looking to partner with brands and to choose garments. Um, And we're actually in the process of formalizing that uh, in the form of what we're calling the garment standard. Um, Yeah, which will be something that will then, and I'm working with um, quite a well-known sustainability consultant Mm -hmm. um, who has a great background in terms of assessing brands um, as to the standards that they meet. And we're developing our own, our very own garment standard that um, we will then assess brands against to not only decide if we'll partner with them, um, but I see it really as an opportunity to, even with brands who we've already worked with, to assess where they're at in a more formal way than I have. Um, I have done an informal assessment, but really with a bit more rigor and then support them if they're interested in moving towards a better story. I love that. Mm -hmm. It feels like if we go back and neither of you were around (laughs) during this time, so I'll just tell you, but when organic first came Mm -hmm. out and there still are very loose standards around that and, Mm -hmm. and now they can be challenged by many things. I won't Mm -hmm. get into it and you guys can make assumptions, but it was, okay, there are these lists of things that are organic. Mm -hmm. And if you, the local farmer, the gentleman farmer that Mm -hmm. sells at the farmer's market, whatever, want to fall into that category and perhaps are missing it by one or two things, here is a checklist. Here is a way that we can get you there. And then the industry sort of began to understand how that wasn't even enough. Mm -hmm. And we had to then say, okay, but if it's going into the water and into the soil and coming up through the roots, that 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 in of itself right. is not enough to qualify yes. as organic. Yes. And so it started to, the industry started to teach itself mm-hmm. by having those standards laid out, laid out, laid out, laid <laughs> out, and saying, this is, we're going to start here. This will mm-hmm. be our baseline and from here we'll grow. So I imagine that you could even be in a situation where much bigger brands, mm-hmm. brands that are much more well-known to all of us mm-hmm. who perhaps aren't subscribing to these standards mm-hmm are going to start to take a look based on market demand Mm -hmm. and say, can you just tell me what those are so that we can start to abide by those Mm -hmm. again in a meaningful way, even if it's just for the sake of selling units. Right. Um, So is that starting to happen? Are you seeing some of that shift where slightly bigger brands? Okay. Yeah, I am certainly. And particularly one area where I'm seeing it that I think is something that the garment... um, it's been part of who we are from the beginning, and I'm now seeing a real shift in terms of some of the bigger brands, is around inclusive sizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's actually one of the elements in terms of the garment standard that will be one of the components. Does the brand offer inclusive sizing? And it's not to say that if they don't, they won't you know, meet the standard. It's a, We're, again, looking at holistically. But I have seen a number of big brands just in the last month, actually, you know, move towards this um, this idea of featuring um, women of all sizes uh, and not retouching the photos. And it's really beautiful to see that shift. And I think from my perspective, um, brands that uh, get on this early will be at a distinct competitive Absolutely. advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Liberty listeners, we are excited to partner with The Garment to offer all of you a special discount for their upcoming virtual pop-up. 
The code for this pop-up is LIBERTY10, L-I-B-E-R-T-Y 10, the number 10. And this code can be used just for you guys to get 10% off any of their eight makers. So between May 20th and May 24th, you'll be able to take 10% off of any of these eight makers that have been identified by the garment. And the best part is all the purchases made during this period of time count toward the hashtag 1000 garment goal, which we are beyond excited to contribute to. So don't forget to head on over to thegarment.ca and check out all the goods. What I love is that there's, um, instead of shaming brands into this, Mm -hmm. it's making them aware so that they can change their Mm -hmm. internal mindset. They'll, the, the shaming sort of naturally happens, Mm -hmm. but, um, for better or worse, but I love that the movement is about just educating and, and making brands aware of what the opportunities are by abiding by these standards. Yes. And I've been interested to see, you know, some, one brand in particular who just moved in this way. Um, and I will say who they are because I think they've done a great job reformation. Uh, they just, the, the way that they announced that they were moving to inclusive sizing was by an email that was titled, we're sorry we took, it took us so long. Yeah. And I just thought what an awesome way to like own it and, you know, acknowledge this is the right thing to do. And it took us longer than we thought. Yeah. That is very longer than it should have. (laughs) And a good lesson for all of us who fall short of paying attention to a demographic or a thing Mm -hmm. or um, a core value. What a cool way to just be transparent and honest about Mm -hmm. that. So this conversation leads me to this um, this word that mm-hmm. I'm seeing more and more and one that um, I see on your site yes. as it relates to you, this this um, concept of being an ethicist. What does that mm-hmm. mean and and what is it, how does it guide and how has it guided you both personally and to launch this mm-hmm. venture? Yeah. So, I mean, my background is in ethics. So I did mm-hmm. my undergrad in um, English literature, actually, and mm-hmm. uh, applied ethics and then worked for um, for quite a few years in the ethics office of a large co- corporation. That's my background. Oh, interesting. Um, so I'm kind of grounded in that. That was, would be what I would say is my background. Um, and what's been really fascinating to me is um, I would say that in my early years, I had I was quite uh, rigid in terms of like black and white, right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And even as I started the fashion journey, you know, really had a relatively um, stark view of of the difference between Mm -hmm. those things. And for a number of reasons, sort of recently in my life, I've just really realized that that the gray part, that part in the middle, the messy part of, you know, and the complex part is really the part where um, the interesting stuff lies. And, you know, as it relates to fashion, you know, as we talked about before, you know, there's some brands who maybe are doing some of this really well and some of it not so well. Um, and the 
temptation to say either this brand is ethical or not is there because it makes things simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the real opportunity is to dive into that and to support um, support makers in moving the needle just a little bit in in sort of a better direction. I love that. I love why I'm more comfortable with the concept of gray anyway, because yes. I think the longer you live, the more you realize mm. black and white just isn't the case. Yes. Um, there was a brand many years ago. Um, I, anyway, she was a green um, sort of advice column. Mm-hmm. And she realized, very similar to you in mm. that when she graduated from college and all of her early sort of days were spent on the mo- most hardcore green, environmentally mm-hmm. friendly standards. Yes. And she ended up growing uh, a blog quite to quite a large size and sold to Disney. So you can imagine the success, but Mm -hmm. what she accredited to, or what she credited rather to her growth and her, um, exponential, um, popularity Mm -hmm. was when she shifted to light green. Mm. She says, when I started to really give people something that they could get their hands around and make small shifts Mm -hmm. in how they were living, Mm -hmm. I was impacting more and more people who then started to take it on themselves. And it wasn't from my advice. I would have had a very narrow following Mm -hmm. had I been so rigid. Absolutely. And I wouldn't have been able to impact these small organizations right. that I was working with because yes. they wouldn't have met the standards. Absolutely. And it's reminding me of your yes. story. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Beautiful. So, um, so it sounds like this started out, I mean, given your background, mm-hmm. your education as well, this is a personal practice, right? Mm-hmm. That you took on, that you saw value in. And then you said, and it sounds like some friends kind of hopped on board <laughs> early too. Like, yes. hey, what are you doing, Morgan? Yes. And how do we participate? When did you say this is a business? This mm-hmm. is an entrepreneurial venture and I'm going to take this on. I'm going to start this. Mm-hmm. So I would say, I mean, I started, I went through the process of capsuling my own wardrobe and began telling that story on Instagram, really more as a creative outlet for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I was home with my second daughter and mm-hmm. really started to enjoy the process of um, taking photos and writing. I found it was a way for me to, I've always loved writing Mm -hmm. and it was a manageable way in almost like every caption is a short essay to be creative. And so I began doing that. And as I began doing that, people, it seemed to resonate with people. Um, Just people started getting on board, I guess. (laughs) Um, And again, around the same time, I had friends who every time I would purchase a new piece from one of these slow fashion makers, most of my friends would say, where did you get that thing? How can I buy it? And basically what I identified in that was a gap between there were these women who wanted to buy fewer and better things, just didn't know where to find them. Similarly, there are all of these makers out there who um, are having trouble connecting to the right women, mm-hmm. you know, to the women, or maybe they're just starting out or, but they, they, I just saw a gap there and an opportunity to, to step into that. And so, um, I mean, I started, con- I was continuing to tell the story on Instagram and, um, I mean, the virtual pop-up idea, it honestly just, 
came to me. Like I can't even really describe it. I just saw, I, I couldn't really believe that anybody else wasn't doing it. I don't know. That sounds kind of strange, but I, it no, seemed I, really uh, natural yeah. to me. Yeah. Like it just seemed like what needed to happen. And so I, you know, wrote this contract and got my lawyer friend to review it and sent it out and, you know, describe, I think given my storytelling kind of background, um, I think the ability to tell the story in a way that resonated with the makers and to present the, the potential opportunity really has been helpful. What I love about the story though, and I think there's mm-hmm. more genius in it than you're giving credit. <laughs> you could have just said, let me just be a blogger mm-hmm. and get sponsorship dollars, right? but you didn't. So it wasn't just the story. There's something about you, you introduced the model in a way that either created transparency for mm-hmm. people. And so they felt like they could get on board but there, it's like you took it to one more level because that would have been the natural right. extension. Well, what's so funny about that is I actually, so I do not have a blog. I have a very um, I know. rudimentary <laughs> yeah. website. But you, but I think you rely on your Instagram in a way that what we consider a blog, yes. you've shifted in terms of capturing an audience that's paying attention to yes. your storytelling and, and looking at you as an expert. Yes not just an influencer. Yes, I I think that is true. What I would say about the difference between like the sponsorship piece, I mean, to be honest, I never even considered that as Mm -hmm. an option. Mm -hmm. Um, But the focus for me was really around sales. Like I wanted to know uh, if whatever I'm doing was resulting in actual garment sales. Nothing about clicks or I wanted to connect women to these garments in a way that they could purchase them and in a way that would show to the makers that that purchase came from me. And that's why we use the discount code. And in that way, it's much similar to a to a store in Mm -hmm. that really I'm not interested in creating content for the sake of content. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in is this effective and is it resulting in sales? And I want to just say like... From It's an interesting tension because when I push the sales thing, I also am really clear with uh, the community that if they don't need something, I don't want them to buy it. And I'm confident enough in the power of the model and our ability to grow that I really don't feel the need to push each member of the community to buy more and more. I'm confident that we can just attract more people as opposed to, and I think that's one of the things that I can do that's a bit unique that makers, individual makers struggle to do with their own Instagram feeds because really they just have the, their individual community. And so really yeah. they just want to push those people to buy more and more of the things that they're making. Whereas I can sort of step back and say, look, if you don't need anything right now, it's okay. You know? And I actually had a friend who said to me, um, I didn't buy anything from your last pop-up and it was kind of your fault. Because you didn't invite it. Well, because I didn't, I am really clear with if you don't need something, I don't want you to buy it either because you feel like you need to because you need to do it to be cool or you want to support me or you. um, Which flies in the face of your capsule concept and everything that you're promoting. So it seems natural that you would do that. Can I ask you something that you might not know (laughs) the answer? Sure. How do you do it? What is it? What are the words that you use? What do you say that give people that freedom? Uh, 
I tell the story. So I shared that exact story of my friend saying okay. I didn't buy the thing because and it's your fault. And actually that post was my most liked post ever. Of course it was. Classic, right? You know, and I was like, because it was just, I mean, it is what it is. And pe- many people, um, you know, I think particularly Instagram really is, I think, a significant driver of sales. You know, Mm -hmm. I know that's how I learn about new brands. People are buying things as a result of what they see on Instagram all the time. And I think, you know, giving people permission to not buy the thing, given that's what we're really focused on um, in, you know, owning fewer, better things and living this vibrant life really gives makes people feel liberated. They're like, oh, yeah. thank God I don't have to buy the thing. Well, and coming back for more because it's like mm-hmm. she's after, and Morgan, excuse me, mm-hmm. is after a, this community more mm-hmm. than she's after the sale. Yes, and I, that does feel very true for me. I, I, we're all going to start following and paying attention. <laughs> well, well, I'm already following, but to pay attention mm-hmm. um, so that we can, I think, learn from that example. Mm-hmm. And again, I think there's a genius in it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to point out that you said something, you said a few things earlier about, I really wanted to know if people were buying these things and sort of, if this was really convertible. Yes. And by that, for those listening, Mm -hmm. I just mean that it could convert into sales, not just eyeballs, not just a Mm -hmm. like, a follower, even engagement, but actual sales. And I think it's one of the things that's missing in the social media mindset. Yes. Yeah. And it's to one on one hand, it's a good mm-hmm. because it's social. We're mm-hmm. there to build community and mm-hmm. build relationships. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a selling tool. Yes. On the other hand, as a business, we have to be mindful of how much time and energy we put into creating content that doesn't convert. Yes. And we have to make sure we are converting. Absolutely. That's a part of what we're building. Yes. So it's not it's not enough to have a community that loves you if they're not buying anything. And I've seen that happen and I've seen companies suffer from that. Yes. Huge following, nothing to buy. Right. And part of, um, I think what has enabled us to do that as well is, um, coming up with a tangible, exciting goal. Mm -hmm. Um, so last year, um, at the beginning of last year, um, I came up with the goal of the thousand garment goal. Mm. And that was a goal of connecting women and 1,000 responsibly made garments in uh, 2017. And to be honest, when I first came up with it, I was like, oh my gosh, this feels huge. How would I ever do this? And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to put it out into the world. I put it out on Instagram, which felt terrifying because I was like, what if I don't hit this thing? Um, And I knew that there was power in the idea. Yeah. That people would get behind it. The makers, um, other influencers who I connect with, which we haven't talked about that, but that's another piece of yeah. my model. Um, and also the community. And basically, I mean, to make a long story short, we hit it in September uh, and ended the year with around 1500 garments. Wow. Um, and then this year we're taking, and again, I feel like afraid sharing this because no, I'm really share not it, sure going to hit it. We want to support um, it. We, uh, took that, we are taking that 1500 that we started this year out with, and our goal is to turn it into 10,000 garments. Wow. So the 10,000 garment goal, and we are at almost 3000 right now. 
and uh, moving towards. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love, I love that. I, I have a t-shirt that I've yet to wear, but mm-hmm. I bought it and it says save the world. Mm-hmm. And I was with my daughter and it, when we bought it and I said, you know what? Too many people say, well, I'm not trying to save the world. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, why not? Right. Why aren't we all trying to save mm-hmm. the world and make a dent where we mm-hmm. can? The point isn't that we will accomplish saving mm-hmm. the world. The point is that we accomplish something yes. that affects that, yes. that changes that mm-hmm. in our space. So I'm all about your 10,000. <laughs> we, we will shout that out. I want, I, I, I I'm going over time, but mm-hmm. I think what you just said is really important. Can you tell us about the piece of the model that includes influencers? And then mm-hmm. we'll transition into you giving us all your wisdom and goods for other brands and other companies. Sounds good. So, um, yeah, part of what I realized is through, um, largely because I don't have my own blog. And I mean, and as you pointed out, I am telling the story on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but many bloggers have, um, as you pointed out, a large following, they're doing, creating lots of great content and they don't have a way to monetize it. They've not yet cracked the nut of what I'm doing. And so basically the, the other piece of the model is, um, engaging other influencers to, um, support them with this model and connect, uh, have them connect their communities to these garments that the garment has effectively vetted from a perspective of, um, you know, the quality of the garment and style and, uh, how it, where and how it's made. And so basically what that looks like, for example, is gifting. I partner with the maker. We gift a piece to, um, an individual uh, blogger or influencer. In your partnership, are you the one choosing the influencer or do you co-select? I would say like I make the recommendation okay. and normally they'll just trust me in okay. it or they'll, yeah. they'll check them out. But yeah. um, and then basically we work with that influencer and support them in using uh, the garments model to connect their communities to that garment. So um, are you? it's like you're building a little is it our style? It's like the, your own little version of um, uh, an affiliate opportunity. It's like a yes. micro. I mean, yeah. that th- there's a lot of scaling it's, opportunity for you. This the potential is significant, okay. uh, and I think um, the thing that's a bit different about what we're doing is not only are we do we want to vet and make sure we only choose the best of the best in terms of brands, but also the best of the best in terms of influencers. So I think one of the things that brands really struggle with, and I know this from talking to nearly every maker that I work with, is they have the experience of gifting product to an influencer and either not even seeing a post about it or seeing a post that's shoddy or seeing a post and seeing nothing come from it. And so what the garment will do is partner and build a network of really effective um, values-based influencers who are following the standards with respect to... That values-based is a good distinction. (sighs) Totally. And also disclosure. So if the item is gifted, saying that it's gifted, which not a lot of influencers do, and we want to support them in, in knowing that that is what should be happening and supporting them in how to do that. Um, but tracking effectiveness. So basically the system that we are in the process of building, um, has the ability to track effectiveness. And so we will be in a position and are to some extent already to make really solid recommendations to brands of who to partner with, um, and then to track that effectiveness and confirm that we want to partner with them again. 
So there are multiple revenue stream opportunities for you. Mm-hmm. This, okay. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this all day, but, and I'm, I'm here to invest. You just say, you just say when. All right. I don't know who didn't learn something in that first half with Morgan. That was fantastic. And please check out her site. It's just chock full of information. Actually, check out her Instagram, chock full of information on you, how you can make sort of this capsule collection change and in your wardrobe. And come back next week because we will have all the tips and tricks that Morgan's got to offer you for your growing business. All right. See you later. Hey, Liberty listeners, this week's media sponsor is Dressember, and we've got some exciting things to share with you. First of all, what would you do in a dress? Well, Dressember believes that you can do anything in a dress. That's even their hashtag. And this spring, they're putting their money where their mouth is through their you can do anything in a dress or tie, you guys out there, this is for you too, in their 5K. Join them on May 20th at Griffith Park in Los Angeles, California, or virtually in your own city. Put on your best dress or tie, lace up your running shoes and get ready to run. We love this particular 5K because it helps fund strategic anti-trafficking grants that bring real rescue and rehabilitation to those transitioning out of trafficked situations. Register by following the link in their Instagram, which is Dressember, or the link which will be in our bio and on on Instagram and in our show notes and head on over to dressember5k.fundraise.org. I'm going to spell that out for you. Dressember5k, D-R-E-S-S-E-M-B-E-R-5, the number five, K, dot fundraise, F-U-N-R-A-I-S-E dot org. And remember, the hashtag is, it's bigger than a dress. We'll see you at the 5K. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. 